Hey, y'all, and welcome to another episode of All Swell, a student-led podcast sponsored by the Coastal Society. We hope everyone is having a great summer break. We wanted to give y'all a much-needed update on TCS and All Swell. The summer is a time of transition for academia, and today we thought it would be great to discuss the highs and lows. We want to have an open discussion about mental health in grad school. But before we get started, we have some members that we want to spotlight. We want to congratulate one of our previous co-hosts, Kara Nunley from Duke University, who has not only become an advisor to the TCS chapters, but also recently got hired by the Coastal Federation. For those of you that are not from North Carolina, the Coastal Fed is a coastal nonprofit in our state that has several offices around the coast and one in the capital. I've been fortunate enough to intern with them a few years ago, and they are doing such important work in our state. Congrats again to Kara, and we look forward to co-hosting with our friends from Duke again this upcoming year. Yeah, another exciting new update from one of our podcast guests in this case is uh, Samantha Farquhar, recently graduated from the U.S. Coast Guard Academy's Reserve Officer Candidate Indoctrination, its ROCI program, with class one to 22 as an ensign. Her father, a retired colonel, presented her with the commission. Sam's first assignment will be in Wilmington, North Carolina, and she's excited to contribute to the mission of the U.S. Coast Guard Reserve alongside her civilian endeavors. Uh, I'm excited that Sam will be down in my neck of the woods in Wilmington. Congrats, Sam, and thank you for your service. Um, and if you missed it, we sat down with Sam and discussed the importance of LEK, local ecological knowledge, in episode three. Our chapter is also very excited for our secretary um, in TCS, John Sabin, who is moving down to Sarasota, Florida, to work on Everglade restoration. He recently successfully defended his dissertation proposal Johnny's been a very important member of our chapter. He's um, in the cohort with Kira and I, and he was very essential for our work with the local river cleanups. And we will miss seeing him on the Tar River on his kayak with his little motor going around, picking up all the trash he can find, including some giant tires that we had to lug back to <laughs> the, the trash. <laughs> Yeah, that, that was very exciting, definitely. <laughs> um, and as much as we, um, yeah, we think it's important that it's to celebrate the success of our members, but then also we have to, or sometimes we have to discuss the more difficult times. Yeah, we really want to talk about um, imposter syndrome and mental health. And I think one of the reasons why we have such a problem with it is because we work in an interdisciplinary research space. Um, if you are new to the podcast, Kira and I discussed what it means to work in an interdisciplinary field and why it's important in the first episode of All Swell. So what is imposter syndrome? And we could like describe it as a feeling of inadequacy. Um, it's kind of internally it's this little voice that is saying or is telling you like, I am not good enough for this. And people will find out that I am not qualified. I'm fooling everyone. I'm just, yeah, I'm a pretender. And this should not be confused with low self-esteem because it's very different from it or critique from people from the outside. But um, yeah, why is it so prevalent in grad school? I honestly am not sure. I mean, I feel like in my, when I was doing my master's, I didn't really 
think so. I thought I was so smart when I was doing my master's, even though I was in an interdisciplinary one. But this topic gets brought up a lot in grad school, I think really specifically in uh, the PhD programs. And I didn't realize that this has been studied since the 1970s. We actually were having a discussion um, amongst the members of our PhD program, and we watched a TED Talk on the subject, which is a really great resource for anybody that wants uh, to learn more on imposter syndrome. And they mentioned that that term actually comes from uh, what's known as imposter phenomenon, which was studied in high achieving women in 1978 by Clance and Imes. And they studied women from undergraduates to faculty ranging from ages 20 to 45. And one of my favorite quotes from this paper was, and I quote, the fear that my stupidity will be discovered is constantly prevalent across participants. And this reminds me of that graph we will often see pop up about grad school where uh, time in school is on the x-axis and y is how smart or how intelligent you think you are and at the lowest point on the y-axis is actually the farthest point on the x-axis around when you begin working on your phd and that kind of goes back to my first uh, mention of i felt thought i was really smart in my masters and then as soon as i kind of like, you know, left, went out, kind of did some work. I was like, oh, I don't feel that smart, but I know that I'm qualified. But then as soon as I started my PhD, I was like, oh my gosh, I, there is so much that I don't know. And then I felt like, oh my goodness, there's all these places that I need to go learn and people I need to listen to because I really don't know that much. And I just think this is one of the points we're at when we're working in the in interdisciplinary workspace is that we are very hyper aware of everything else out there or other research questions. And me, I've purposely not applied for positions or events because I just assume that there's always someone more qualified than me. Yeah, I mean, that's like the thing that the more you know, the more you don't know. And so it's like even even for like, and we talked about this with, with um, some of our faculty members here too, like, even like professors and like people that are really experts in their field have this problem. Like they still feel like they're not where they're supposed to be or like they don't know enough um, for their job, literally, um, which is interesting because like you would think it's only like early career people um, that really don't yet know all the things, um, but it's also very established professionals uh, that have this issue. And um, what I've read is also that it comes from that a lot of people in this kind of field are perfectionists. And so it's always, it's always hard to um, go against like your own inner critic. Um, and you always think you could have done better. You could have known more. You could have, and so on and so forth. And so, um, yeah, that's kind of one of the personality traits that it was very prevalent, the imposter syndrome was. Um, another thing in graduate school is that, and this is especially true for PhD programs, that like you're seeing the fruits of your labor uh, only at the very end. And so that is when you graduate. 
And so that's usually between four and seven years down the line, sometimes even more, depending on what else you have going on in your life. Uh, but there's a lot of work be being done with little to no reward. Uh, so nobody can really assess what you have learned from reading a paper in like the last two hours. And there's not really an output either besides some notes maybe that you have taken and nobody who is like saying like, yay, good job. You did a yeah. really great, like, thank you for reading this paper. Um, so the lack of immediate rewards can, can become really taxing. Um, and especially once the novelty and excitement of entering the program has worn off. Uh, so like speaking from experience, you go, you start in a PhD uh, and you're starting out and you're like, are bright-eyed and bushy-tailed and you're so excited and you're like, oh my God, I'm going to be the next best thing in this research field. And then once you continue with your work and you see like how, um, yeah, where you actually fit in, it becomes a little overwhelming or yeah, daunting actually too. And there are like other factors that have influenced our way of working and interacting. And we're going to talk about them in a little bit um, but it's also generally I would say generally important to know is that most likely you're not the only one that experience um, experiences those feelings of defeat or have times of doubt and discouragement or yeah wanting to quit <laughs> like I mean Gigi and I both had so many times we probably can count that anymore uh, yeah I, I can't say, like <laughs> why am I even doing this? Like, why am I here? So oh, yeah. um, this is very common, like very, very common. And yeah, it's, it's important to like, kind of remember, like, why did you start out? Why do you, what do you want to do with it? Like, what, why do you think um, you are here in this program? But also, yeah, don't, don't be too hard on yourself um, when you're experiencing those feelings because it happens to all of us. And um, yeah, we're also going to go ahead and, and provide you with some resources and things that we know have worked for us and yeah. to cope with that. Yeah, I think one thing to go back to, like not seeing the fruits of your labor, and this is a tool that I think some people it's helpful and maybe other people's it might be a little daunting because we all know that going to conferences can be overwhelming. But we brought this up on the last podcast with PFAS that uh, going to conferences that also include community members and other young professionals uh, is a great way to kind of feel like you are part of the solution to whatever problem that you are trying to tackle. And I, that's something that really made me realize, oh, wow, uh, just working on a proposal for my dissertation, people were thanking me that, that it was something that they could see and that they wanted in the community. And so I definitely recommend that as a way, um, or if you're just looking for inspiration in your own work, to maybe find that local conference that's near you. Because I know sometimes we don't always, as students, we don't always have the extra money to go to some of these big conferences and we can't necessarily find the funding but if you can just go even for a day to some of them uh you can really find some some inspiration 
from that and even connect with other people across different universities, which is really nice. And I think that's what's been nice about this podcast and TCS in general is that we've really connected uh, with the people at Duke and we've talked a lot with people at the other chapter at REI and Eckerd uh, and just kind of discussed, okay, the highs and lows of grad school, how we're getting through, you know, what kind of advisors do we have, um, which brings up a really good point that, you know, grad school can be really different depending on how you deal with workload and what workload is given to you or assigned to you. Uh, you know, some supervisors are more hands-off. They're going to let you decide your schedule. And in that case, I know I'm one of these people that I, I can be pretty good at delegating to myself. I think I'd be overwhelmed if I had somebody on top of me every day. But then some of our other classmates have brought up sometimes that they've had too much supervision and then that's put stress on them. And then they also feel like then they aren't really allowed to take time off either, that they always have to be, you know, they always have to be working. And I think that that's a real big issue is um, setting boundaries to protect your mental health in this, in this case. Um, Are there any um, tools that you use, Kira, to set boundaries for your time off versus working? (laughs) Yeah, I'm, I'm really bad at that. um, Because I'm just, I'm somebody that always says like, yes, to all the things. So because I want to be involved, I think I'm excited by a lot of my research or general people's research, like I've also helped with other things kind of outside of of my immediate uh, research when like projects that I was on, or just also like fellow students that have done field work or whatever that I was like, oh, this sounds really fun. Like, can I come? So I went, obviously that's taking away from my own research. So I have to be kind of more mindful uh, in terms of like assigning dates and times to my own research, like you were saying, kind of boundaries. And also like, And that's really hard, especially if you're a student and you feel somehow indebted to your um, supervisor because you're on their grant. Um, You're getting money kind of from them, through them, whatever. Um, And so you're kind of, you feel like, oh my God, I have to now do all this work, but you can also say no. Like if you really your day only has 24 hours too. And not all those 24 hours should be spent at a desk or in a lab doing research, especially if you also have your own research and you have a contract. So in that, like in those cases where you really, or you would be really worried that like you cannot do your own research because you have so much on your plate that like other people have put on, um, track your hours, like write down your hours in a spreadsheet or wherever you want to do that in an app. Um, and then just after whatever hours you're assigned to, if you're 50% like me, after 20 hours, you're like, sorry, can't do. I have to also do my own stuff. And um, so, yeah, it's very important to have those boundaries because it's very easy in a PhD uh, or in general in grad school, I guess, to only focus on your work and neglect your social life. And 
that leads to, yeah, like feelings of loneliness a lot. Like, I mean, this whole thing is a very, very solitary, lonely experience. And if you then on top of it also don't go out or don't like see your friends anymore because you think it's important, it's more important that I whatever incubate these things now and have to like read all those and it's a nighttime job and all kinds of things and you're signing up to do all this other work, you're ending up, yeah, with a very, like in a very bad mental state um, because humans after all are social animals. So we <laughs> need to have that interactions. And some of us have need that more and some of us need it less. I'm more of the more person. Yep. I'm very extrovert. So that's not I need gonna... it. I need it more though. I will say after the conference, I was like, I need to be in a room by myself and not talk for a couple yes. hours. <laughs> I definitely learned that it is okay to take the downtime also. Like if you need the 30 minutes or an hour to sit there um, and a tool that my advisor actually told me because my biggest insecurity has always been writing. I, I am the person I would much rather prefer to give the talk in front of how many people for an hour over my work answer questions and really explain it than write about it. Uh, and so one tool that I found helpful that's not only good for my work, but also for my mental health is just to write every single day during the during the work days from Monday to Friday is even if it's just a couple sentences a day but really thinking about like the feelings I'm going on. And then sometimes that spawns to, okay, I can get a paragraph done of whatever, you know, paper, dissertation, that sort of stuff. Or I've at least used it as an outlet to get off, you know, whatever I'm feeling. The imposter syndrome is normally what I write about. Though I will say, you know, Carrie, you brought up loneliness uh, as well. And I, that's, been something that we've talked about in our graduate program because we're on two campuses as it is already. So before the pandemic, we were already kind of being separated. And when you're also going out to do field work, I mean, we have people doing work ranging, I mean, halfway across the world. I mean, I think we span pretty much like almost every continent, maybe Antarctica, uh, that it can be really isolated. Too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, and Somebody's so, probably doing work there. <laughs> yeah. We probably can find, find someone. I, that was something that I know some of our classmates wanted um, to bring up. And I think, unfortunately, this got exacerbated by the pandemic. Um, Zoom is great to see somebody's facial expression face to face, but it truly is not the same as sitting in a room um yeah. with your peers yeah I've just like experienced that really like yesterday <laughs> like because I'm usually here on my office by myself um maybe there's one other person um and yeah yesterday a couple of people from main campus came over and it was really nice to just have lunch with them you know like in sitting on the patio and just yeah in the sun and chatting about life and not all just like kind of work related. So I think that's another aspect that like, if you're only interacting in Zoom meetings or general online meetings, you're only talking about work. You're not gonna have these like 
smaller social interactions where you're just like, I don't know, talk what you had for dinner last night or <laughs> like stupid, seemingly stupid things, but like kind of, it is part of the whole social fabric that is, that is missing when we don't have these interactions. Yeah. Um, so like those kind of um, coffee, I don't know how that's called really. Like when you're meeting at the, at the coffee machine and you're just like having these like quite, yeah, it's, it's more like small talk. It's not really any in-depth conversations, but like you're getting bits and pieces of people's lives which is making them more approachable for you and like more real. And so I think that's also part of it. So like if you don't even know who is in your program anymore, because you've only seen them on a screen um, and have only interacted with them in like school or professional sense, then yeah, you've never gotten like a drink with them or anything. It's just, yeah, they're, they're not really, they can't become your friends. And that's what, yeah, it makes the whole experience way more difficult. Yeah. Especially in this, where we're sharing such a big part of our lives doing this PhD. I mean, you already, not that many people do it. And then you really like narrow it down and then you're like, Oh, we're doing interdisciplinary work. We're really going into like a smaller sector of the pool that does this. And yeah, it's unfortunate that sometimes that happens that we don't get to see everybody face to face and hopefully uh, that will change more, but it kind of just goes back to, you know, social media and you can put zoom almost in that category is not the same thing as real life. And I think that's been an also issue for me is that I'll see everybody on. So you'll see everybody's it's a highlight reel. You'll see the accomplishments and stuff on social media and you keep thinking, Oh my gosh, why am I still in school? Uh, maybe I should have just like, you know, trudged it out, trying to keep getting to find a job in my field or at least a part-time job in my field so that I could be where some of my friends and peers are at that aren't in grad school. But then it's funny because as soon as you go and see those people in person and you tell them that you're working on a, on another degree, they're like, oh my gosh, that's, you know, incredibly hard. Like you, this is so awesome that you're doing that. And then you're just like, wow, I view myself as lower on the totem pole because I'm still in school technically versus, you know, people, there's people out there also struggling in their young, in their careers in general. Like you never know if somebody is just that they might, yeah, they're working their job. But whereas we, I mean, we get to go do field work. Most of us, even, I mean, for anthropology, we get to go out and talk to people and go visit certain places, but other people jobs, they have to be at a desk from nine to five, or even if they're working remote, you know, it's, yeah. it's so social. I think lessening on social media, lessening the hours is, is one of the best ways to improve mental health. Yes, definitely. Because also, I mean, at the same time, and that's not even like super related to like, I guess a graduate program, but like, yeah, you're seeing, as you were saying, the, the highlights of people, you see what they the awesome food they've got, like the awesome whatever place they've visited and so on. And like, yeah, those people got married and those people and blah, blah, blah. And they all seem so super happy because that's how the pictures look like. Um, but then if you actually talk to the people or you get to know them, then you know, okay, like not everything in their life is 
perfect either. So and that's kind of like the thing that is so so toxic about social media or like that kind of just that you're only getting the the glimpse into somebody's best like representation of themselves. It's not even it's not even themselves, right? Like that's that's what they want everybody else to see. So all the times when they're low and they're miserable, they're not going to take a picture and put it on there. I mean, very few people are to like actually raise awareness about that. But like generally, no, like nobody will be like, oh, my God, I haven't been outside all day because I felt so depressed and lonely and I was just not able to. Um, so nobody will do that. And um, yeah, so if you if you have uh the option of really kind of curbing your consumption of that kind of uh, media is probably going to benefit you um, also in a PhD program because it can be additionally daunting and taxing on you that like you see everybody just seemingly progress at a much higher speed and just like going on with their lives while you still like haven't done anything or like you feel like you haven't done anything but in reality like all reality you like if you look back and really look at your achievements and that's another thing I guess a tip or um, something you can do is like look at what where you got or like gotten already like look at all the things you have like completed look at all the conferences you've been to look at all the papers and abstracts and little things that you've written and like even if yeah even if, if those projects haven't been completely successful or haven't been carried out to the very end like you still produced something and even if it was a dead end it was still like you did still the work and you learned from it like you made progress and so that's kind of um a thing that like we have to probably also just be better at tracking our own progress and just like writing down the things that you've done and being proud of them. You know, like, I don't know, yesterday I have written a couple of like uh, paragraphs for, for my proposal. And, you know, even though that can't be like, Oh my God, I've only written like a few lines, but no, I actually have made progress there. You know, like I have yeah. to, change the mindset and not think in a way that is like weighing me down but actually pushing me yeah like it doesn't have to be a big win every day or even like every week but if you can even make I think just taking a step every day and no matter what in grad school like you said even if it if the experiment or something fails or like the idea you have for one fails you're at least contributing to the wealth of knowledge that's out there and that's at the end of the day, it's just kind of our job is is to keep exploring, um, even when the you, you go down a road and realize, oh, my gosh, I have to backtrack and go down the other road now. I mean, I at least for me, I think I go back and I'm like, you used to work almost every single day of the week and you work doubles as a waitress. You know, you, you do you want to go? back to that or do you want to actually being able to learn and try and work to figure out a solution every day even if you're not getting paid the same uh totally and, and so it's like I you know 
you can kind of go back. And I went back to Wilmington where I did my master's recently and was like, I've really grown from here. So even if you have to do that in your mind, you can really think like, Hey, wow, I've, I've, I have come really, really far. Yes. Yes. And on my, everybody is on their own journey. And I really like the metaphor too, of, you know, it's a marathon and a lot of times in the running community, we, it's, it's about getting your personal record, your personal best. It's not about somebody else's. And you'll find that no matter what kind of race you're doing, whether it's a marathon or even, you know, a mile or a 5k that everybody, a lot of people are there, they're cheering you on as well. And they're cheering for themselves. And I think that's the biggest thing that we can do with with this mental health crisis is going on is take care of yourself. But then, you know, once you do that, make sure that you're talking and having an open conversation with your fellow students and, and your teachers, because they, um, I think our, some of our professors have just been so amazing at opening up to us and sharing their story and sharing how they got through it and how they've gotten through the last couple of years um, to it's just been really nice, honestly, to, to build those friendships as well. And, yeah. and that's really important. Yeah, that's true. Um, and also, um, like, I just uh, thought about that. And it's like the stigma that like, you're not, um, you don't want to get therapy, or you don't want to like, get a counselor or whatever. Um, and most or as far as I know, pretty much all universities have some sort of, of mental health um, counseling and it's pretty much free for students to a certain extent. And like, don't be afraid to go and use those resources. Like um, I've been in therapy, like because of a lot of things that happened in my life, but also, you know, like literally everyone should get therapy um, because we all have things going on and we all are not always able to deal with them and so if you can talk to somebody who has been educated in dealing and helping people uh, that can definitely help and you like don't be afraid to do that like it's it's really way less scary than it sounds um, and it's gonna help you so much to deal with like the yeah biggest difficulties in your life um yeah and to overcome those yeah like after um our classmate passed away our professor set up we did have some grief counselors we had to do it over zoom because of everything um and it really made me realize some of the stuff that had gone on previously when I was I was younger I've had other family members pass away on on wow you know even just going to talk it out with somebody or feeling in or hearing that like how I dealt with grief um, was, was okay. You know, that it's, it's kind of a wave that you have to ride out and it's not um, it's, it doesn't just always go away over time. And if you have the tools to, to deal with it and, and kind of help you um, you can, be much more, you can put yourself in a better space to not kind of get yourself um, in that hole. And, and that at the end of the day is is the best thing for you, you know, is to, is to take care of yourself and, and just 
see, see, you know, sometimes it's hard to open up to people. Uh, but I think us just even talking about this today and being way more upfront uh, and honest about it, um, we, we hope this helps other people that, that do come onto the podcast and just know that um, regardless if you're a student researcher or not, that everybody's going through something and that we can all help each other um, lift out of it. Exactly. And if you want to reach out to like, please don't hesitate to also get in touch with us. Um, we are very happy to talk to you or, um, yeah, provide you or give you direct you towards other resources. Um, if you would like to, um, get that information from us and you can find all our contact information in the show description. Yeah. And that's, I think when we first started this podcast and we talked to Duke and we were thinking about that motto, I mean, where there's a will, there's a wave was really not just on the research front, but really also the mental health front. If you can, you know, find that reason to keep going. Sometimes it could just be as simple as, okay, they're going to have donuts in the break room today. I am going to go get coffee or, you know, there's a, a, somebody I really want to listen to today that's that's doing a, a talk that inspires you you know sometimes just finding that one little win or victory um, a day is is the is the wave I guess I would say no, so we're very yeah <laughs> very grateful to be able to have this space to talk about this um, it's helped me and we hope it'll help you. And so we also want to highlight that this week, a mental health and suicide prevention hotline was announced called um, 988. And so this couldn't be more timely that we're discussing this. And um, just so people know, because it's it's been brought up a lot that this is suicide prevention hotline. But if you look into the resources, they are going to expand it to not only call, but texting down the line. And so that you can talk about these things that you know, loneliness, grief, I'm sure they're going to, imposter syndrome will probably get brought up because there's a lot of grad students out there. Um, and so if you want to find out any more information, as Kira said, please reach out to us. Yes. And we're at the end of our podcast today, our episode today. Um, we just wanted to remind you again, where there's a the will. There's, There's a wave. A wave. <laughs> <laughs> that was not synchronous, but anyways, thank you for listening and uh, we'll see you next time. Doesn't have to be perfect all the time. Bye everyone. <laughs>